Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. Orleans Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean. Inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron. Offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 677. Thought we'd start off with kind of a quick mention about where we'll be on the Memorial Day weekend and our show on May 27th, and that will be at the L.L. Bean Main Audubon Birding Festival, the fourth annual up there in beautiful Freeport, Maine. Uh, you can go on the LLBean.com website and find some details, but uh, I'll give you a little quick rundown. Things will start on Friday evening up there with a bat and owl prowl with Mass uh, Maine Audubon staff naturalist Doug Hitchcock. Saturday night, a book signing and lecture with the great David Sibley. That'll be on Saturday night. All weekend, guided birding walks will be going on. And then as you scroll down, you'll see that on Sunday morning from 9.30 to 10, it'll be Talking Birds live from the Discovery Center right inside the main entrance there at L.L. Bean. That's up in beautiful... Freeport, Maine. LLBean.com. You'll find uh, all the details there. And we'll be putting some stuff on our Facebook page uh, as well. Well, I love this headline from NBCnews.com. It says, How spying on penguins just might save them. The headline refers specifically to emperor penguins. We're hearing some of them there. And why do they need saving? Well, according to a new study conducted by researchers in France and the Netherlands and the U.S., climate change is causing the sea ice on which this species depends for survival to melt, which they say could cause dramatic drops in the number of emperor penguins across Antarctica by the end of the century. The researchers are advocating that emperor penguins be listed as an endangered species as a result of these findings. You can do a search or check out our Facebook page for more on that story. Extra, extra, read all about it. And speaking of our Facebook page. Some of the stories this week. Female songbirds don't sing, right? Uh, not exactly. Check out our page to see how another myth has been shattered. What will happen to small birds if the climate continues to get warmer? Here's a hint. It won't be good. We'll link you to a Science Daily story about it. And that same warming could be even worse for birds nesting in tropical climates... We have that story for you, courtesy of Fizz, as in physics, fizz.org. Some stories be pairing now on our Talking Birds Facebook page and also discoverable through an online search. That is the sound of our mystery bird. This is a little preview of our mystery bird contest. We're not doing the contest right now, but we will be doing it a little bit later on in the show here. So a little preview here about our mystery bird. You heard it there. We'll hear a little bit more of it. 
It's a tiny bird with a long tail, a bluish-gray back, white undersides, and a prominent white eye ring. It has white outer feathers on its tail, which it often wags, a behavior thought to help it flush the insects on which it feeds out into the open. In the summer, our bird is found in most of the U.S., except for the upper Midwest and upper Northwest, and it's a year-round resident in Florida and along the Gulf Coast. A little preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later in the show. We have some beautiful prizes from Droll Yankees and our friends at Larkwire. Meanwhile, we are very happy and grateful to be able to say thank you to more Talking Birds ambassadors signing up to promote uh, Talking Birds and birds in conservation. And we want to say thank you to Neva D., from Sherman, Texas, Grayson County, north of Dallas, right up by the Oklahoma border. Thank you, Neva. Cards are on the way. Thank you to Eric Spink from another part of Texas there in Texarkana, over by the border with Arkansas. Eric says, I'm a member of the local Audubon Society, Texarc Audubon, here in Texarkana, Texas. He says, I'll happily distribute your information cards at the next meeting and also when I'm out birding in the area. Thank you so much, Eric. Heading east, Justin from Kiwani, Illinois. He says, I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks and really enjoy it. The featured feathered friend and mystery bird segments help sharpen my birding skills. That's cool. And he says, send me a patch along with those info cards, if you will. Now, here's something pretty interesting. We looked up Kiwani to just kind of see where it was. It's southwest of Chicago, and it turns out that Kiwani is the Winnebago tribe word for a bird which lives there, the greater prairie chicken. Kind of the easternmost range, I think. Uh, Justin says he's been looking but hasn't seen one yet, but I guess they are still out there in, unfortunately, increasingly small or ever uh, decreasing numbers. And thank you to Pamela from Gloucester, Massachusetts. She says she listens uh, to our show on podcast while flying cross-country on business and while getting ready for work in the morning. Friends and relatives, she says, are getting caught up in my interest in birds. And my 40-something nephew is fond of sending me text messages with photos of birds he sees saying, name that bird. I enjoy sharing my interest in birds and will be happy to be an ambassador for Talking Birds. How do I get a patch? No problem. We'll send one right out to you. In fact, it's already on the way, Pamela. And now heading much farther east, Gail and Joseph Fagan from Sheffield, Yorkshire, England. They say we recently sent for and received your Talking Birds patches and would also like to become ambassadors to give some of your cards to our birding friends. Well, thank you so much, Gail. And Joseph, if you'd like to uh, join our ambassadors, we hope you do, Talking Birds listeners. Pretty easy to do and sign up for. Just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the Become an Ambassador option. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. No G in talking. We have more stories about ambassadors and some of the great stuff that they're doing. I'm like, we'll try to hold that and try to get to it. Uh, if we can, a little bit later in our show or next week for sure. Still to come on our show today, we'll welcome the one, the only, the Birdist. That's right, the Birdist, Nick Lund, who will be here with another of his Birdist rules of birding. This time it's about robots and warblers. Well, the warbler one is one of his rules of birding. Plus, we'll catch up with our man Mike O'Connor in our Let's Ask Mike segment <laughs> about a mystery in Mike's 
backyard. And up next, a beautiful yellow bird with a distinctive black cap is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend wears a black cap. At least the male does. And lots of folks will be looking for that field mark this spring and summer, all through the lower 48 as it migrates from its wintering grounds in Southern California, the Gulf Coast, and Mexico, heading for breeding grounds, mostly in the American Northwest and through almost all of Canada and Alaska. Our bird was first described in 1811 by the great ornithologist Alexander Wilson, who gave it his name, Wilson's Warbler. In addition to the black cap of the male, the Wilson's Warbler has olive green upper parts, a bright yellow face, and yellow underparts. Females and juveniles are duller in color and don't wear the black cap. Our bird is quite small, less than five inches long, with a wingspan of about six inches. And when it sings, it sounds like this. Wilson's warbler is fairly easy to see since it tends to forage on the outside of leafy tree branches and often flies out to catch insects in the air, the way a flycatcher does, and it frequently twitches its tail or wings as it feeds. West Coast populations of Wilson's warblers begin nesting in early March, and nesting extends into August in the eastern and northerly portions of its range. The female does most of the nest building creating a cup nest of vegetation lined with grasses and hair, often sunken into moss or sedges at the base of shrubs and placed near the edges of streams, ponds, and lakes. Listen for a song that's a rapid series of chips that drops at the end. And look for a male with a black cap. That'll be Cardellina Pusilla, today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend, Wilson's Warbler. Welcome again to our show, number 677. As always, the reminder to visit us, we hope you will, at TalkinBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talkin' Birds. Nick Lund, and only Nick Lund, is the birdist. You'll find him at TheBirdist.com, and you'll also find him at Audubon.org with his birdist's rules of birding and other articles as well, one of which we're about to talk about. Good morning, Nick. Good morning, Ray. How are you doing? Doing well. Great to have you uh, back with us again, Nick. And I know you're a great birder. You have all the birding equipment that you need, but you imagine going beyond that into something more high-tech, shall we say? If you were a robot, awesome birding features that you have. That's right. You would have. I, I'm thinking about the future. And, <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but one thing I'm relatively certain about mm -hmm. is that we're going to ditch these bodies as soon as we can and become cyborg robots. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, I'm looking when is that going to happen? Is that, is that very I, soon? I, you know, I didn't get the oh. calendar appointment, okay. uh, but but I know it's coming soon, and right. uh, and we got to be ready. As gotta birders, be, we really got to take advantage of this. Got to be ready. Well, I'm going to look at some of these modest ideas that you have here. Uh, let's see. One of them is an, ex an expandable 
bird blind that you would what kind of take that with you i like this yeah so so in this future where i upload my birding brain to the to the class some sort of cloud thing and then have a fully customizable robot cyborg body Mm -hmm. one feature i would have right away is sort of an airbag type of feature that bursts out of my back to Mm. become uh, a blind a sort of habitat that i can sit in and so the birds don't see my giant robot body instead they see either a a rock Mm. or a shrub or like a dumpster if i whatever you want it to be yeah Whatever I wanted, whatever whatever uh, the birds demand. Yeah, this wouldn't be coming out of a backpack. This would be coming out of your back. Oh, literally uh, my right my my metal back. Yeah. Okay, you're right out of your metal back. Uh, now I think you've gone a little beyond that. Now with this thing, it's called the onboard bird feeder. Yeah, so you know, uh, I don't have uh, <laughs> bones or flesh anymore. Oh, right. So I got all this space. Sure. Uh, I might yeah. as well pack my limbs with uh, suet and spikes for shrikes yeah. to, to stick things on and, uh, you know, some wood with some grubs in it maybe. Oh, sure. Ways to bring the birds to me at that point. Okay. And, uh, of course, you have a hollow chest cavity there that would accommodate a chest nest. Yeah, of course. Mm. So my big torso would be hollow with, a, with holes in it, maybe varying sizes to attract uh, birds to actually mm. just nest and live inside of me. Owls, um, wrens, whatever, um, you know, uh, oh. it's probably a customizable hole size, too. I can probably ask for that feature. Oh, hey, why not? Well, here's another feature you want to ask for, because apparently having like a 270-degree head swivel like an owl would have would not be enough for you. No. You want to go 360 with the head swivel, right? Yeah, full ball joint. So yeah. I won't have a spine anymore, of course, and so I can just, mm. my neck uh, and sort of, shoulders can just be replaced by like a tripod ball joint yep. i can go in all directions spin around you know no more warbler neck at that point i hate to say it but this is all starting to make sense now all uh, right doesn't <laughs> it sound great <laughs> let's see what else we have a bird song translator how would that work yeah you know uh, i just want to hear what the birds are saying uh, i don't want uh the thing to just tell to identify the birds for me that's sacred territory. That's bird identification. I still want to be able to do that. Yeah. But I would like to know if they're saying, hey, uh, look at me, or hey, baby, let's uh, be a pair, or, you know, just something to translate the songs into, uh, into plain old English. Okay, the actual uh, communication there, what's, what the, yeah. what's, what's being said. I like it. And then yeah. here's something really practical, uh, a break from bathroom breaks. You've got that. Uh, yeah, plan. well, you know, would you? You I wouldn't need a bathroom break if you were a, a robot, I guess. I wouldn't eat or no. drink. I guess I would sort of like mm. oil up my joints yeah. uh, and and have fuel i guess but yeah. you know i would never have to do that thing when you're trying to go birding but you really got to go to the bathroom and it delays everything and mm. it ruins it yeah. um that those days are gone thankfully well i saved the maybe the most exciting one for last here uh and i don't think you're going to get any you know support from any of the optics companies for this idea but this would be the mega telescopic eyes yeah, well, well, I would counter by saying that the optics companies should jump on this as soon as they can. Whoever oh, corners right. the market on on telescopic eyeballs oh, sure. for future birding robots, you're way ahead of me make on a this. Fortune. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah they would maybe, get involved. Maybe we should stop talking and start patenting some of these things right now. <laughs> get ahead of the game. All right, well let's we'll well, let's stop talking then. But but before we do, we still <laughs> <laughs> we we still have time to talk about your newest installment in your birdist's rules of birding. This is number fifty nine. 
I believe, and this is really a practical one uh, for those who don't have the mega telescopic eyes and stuff like that just yet, and that would be to learn to identify warblers from below, because as you say, that's kind of where you usually see them. Yeah, uh, this column is a little more in present day, uh, a little more relatable for the average birder who has a flesh and blood body, uh, who's out there right now looking at migrant warblers, but only seeing them from the from below. Uh, which is, as we all know, uh, a frequent occurrence uh, this day and age. So it's some tips on what to look for when you're looking up at the sort of vent and belly and tail and underside of a warbler, um, how to tell certain species uh, apart, and uh, how to get a good ID with a bad look. Okay, because, yeah, as you say, you look in the field guide or you look on an app, and I, most of the pictures are from above or from the side or from the front and that kind of thing, but not from uh, below. So you have some good tips right. on that. Maybe we should maybe you should expand that. Do your own book about uh, about yeah. all, all photographs <laughs> from below. Yeah, it would get a little uh, little X-rated, I guess, a little bit if I just was taking <laughs> pictures of all birds from below. Uh, but there is a lot of information you can glean uh, from that look. It's easy to get mm-hmm. frustrated when you can't see the face or the colors of the wings or, or something, but um, there is a lot of info to get from the legs and the tail and the mm-hmm. vent and things like that. And so uh, it's worth uh, learning about that stuff because that's the looks you get in real life. All right. Well, things to tide us over until we come become cyborgs and we won't need... Uh uh, yeah. Any any of that kind of stuff. You, you can forget all that information as soon as you're a cyborg. All right. It'll be a lot easier. Find more about Nick there at thebirdist.com. That's his website, thebirdist.com. And you'll find uh, the uh, the robot story and his birds, uh, birdist's rules of birding there at audubon.org. Nick, thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Ray. Take care. Coming up next here is our mystery bird contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. I'm Bill Kirkpatrick, and I'm calling from Barrington, Rhode Island. What I like about the Talking Birds show is a combination of quirky, casual conversation with scientific information and data. And it's a nice balance. I love Talking Birds. I love talking about the show, and I appreciate this opportunity to share that. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the Contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the Contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Just before our Mystery Bird Contest, a reminder, another of America's great birding events is coming soon. The Acadia Birding Festival at beautiful Acadia National Park in Maine, May 30th to June 5th for birders of all levels. With field trips, workshops, presentations, and a special pelagic seabird boat trip. Find more about it at AcadiaBirdingFestival.com. That's AcadiaBirdingFestival.com. That's the sound of our mystery bird, and it's our mystery bird contest. You're eligible to win if you haven't been a winner here within six months here on Talking Birds. And all you have to do is tell us what the bird is. We'll give you some clues in a second here. If you're not sure, of course, you can just take a guess, because if no one gets the exactly correct answer, a drawing will determine our winner from among all uh, answers received. The number is 781-837-4900. We'll give that number again in a moment. Our mystery bird 
is a tiny bird with a long tail, a bluish-gray back, white undersides, and a prominent white eye ring. It has white outer feathers on its tail, which it often wags, a behavior thought to uh, help flush out the insects in which it feeds. Uh, In the summer, our bird is found in most of the U.S., except for the upper Midwest and upper Northwest. It's a year-round resident in Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. Our prize is a Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder. Everybody loves this feeder. It lets you see the birds up close with an unobstructed view. Held tight to your window with three strong suction cups. Plus, a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, the app that makes learning bird sounds a game until you become a cyborg. Those are our prizes, and you heard the sound and some clues on our mystery bird contest. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. Meanwhile, a mystery down at Mike's. Mike's backyard, that is. Mike O'Connor and the uh, Bird Watchers General Store. It's Let's Ask Mike live right here in just one minute. Now a word from our friends at Bird Watching Magazine. For over a quarter century, Bird Watching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Want some tips on backyard birding? Bird Watching Magazine has published a handy booklet that's yours to download for free. The 16-page guide includes practical field-tested answers to your most important questions about the birds in your backyard, from food to birdhouses, from those cute hummingbirds to those troublemaking birds. Go to birdwatchingdaily.com to get your backyard Q&A booklet. More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year illegally. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor with a desire to preserve living space for wildlife. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust does just that. Works with private landowners to protect wildlife to preserve natural habitats. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. I don't know how Mike has time to solve mysteries in his backyard, what was operating the Birdwatch's general store, but somehow he manages to do it. And here's another mystery of the disappearing fishing line. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Right before, oh, First, I want to yeah. talk about your last segment with Nick yeah. and how he was going to be a cyborg with, a, with built-in bird feeders. Yeah. Um, he's got to he's got to take serious steps because uh, he's going to have to figure out the dynamics of trying to keep the squirrels up from climbing up them once he gets those built-in bird feeders. Yeah, he forgot he, about he, that. He forgot about. He's going to have to go through me to get some baffles to keep them off yeah, from crawling yeah. up them. Because you're not going to be able to sell a lot of bird feeders anymore, so at least the baffles you could keep in That's business. That's right. That. The price yeah. of baffles are going up on the cyborg edition. <laughs> so you you put some fishing line out. Now we've talked about this a number of times on the show to discourage house sparrows hanging uh, pieces of monofilament line down from the feeders, and for some unknown reason, apparently they won't they won't stick around with those things. They're afraid of them, right? Right. It's it's amazingly effective. It's not 100%, but it's close to it, and it's been very effective. So I've had that out for for years, you know, through all these New England storms and whatever, just tied on to the yeah. edge of the feeder. And then the other day, it came out, and they were gone. I said, well, I guess the storm was worse than I thought, hmm. and I put them back on. You know, I used to be a Boy Scout, so I got all these knots going on. <laughs> Next day, they're gone again. <laughs> so, so I hmm. all right, this is getting silly. Wow. So I tie them on there, and then I was just sitting at my desk doing work, and here comes Mrs. Oriole 
And she grabs them for a nest. And I had put out string, like I talked about a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. for it to build a nest. But apparently I didn't put out enough fast enough because she wanted some of this monofilament as well. And she pull mm-hmm. on it, and it's tied. So you would think they would pull it two or three times and then, you know, give up. Give up yeah. you know, she, she flies right up to the knot where it's tied and methodically pick, 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 pick. Somehow, I can't undo it once I tie it. I have to wow. cut it if I want to get it off. And she undoes it, ching, ching, and off she goes. Wow. Back again to the next one. So back again, I put out more, you know, more filament and more string for her. She takes this string, but then I go to bed eventually, and in the morning, it's gone again. So she, she apparently, she used to be a Girl Scout before they joined <laughs> for scouting. Wow, that's pretty yeah. amazing. So taking monofilament line and, and, and making part of that uh, amazing Baltimore Oriole nest. Have You haven't found a nest, have you? No, and I'm not yeah. really... Ex- I have, well, it's yeah. a little bit early. I see where she goes, but it's a little yeah. bit early. And I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll use that plastic blue or green tarp strands. Mm-hmm. And n- none of the plastic stuff is actually good. It mm-hmm. seems like it's good because they take it, but it doesn't have the same holding ability as natural fiber does. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the, the, the nests kind of fall apart towards the end. So for the sake of me tying knots all the time and for the sake of her nest, I'm trying to discourage it by putting up more and more string. But uh, she's got a little bit of uh, filament fetish going on there, I think. Well, take a ride to Orleans and drive around. If you see a yard filled with string hanging everywhere, that'll be Mike's yard. Oh, very, yeah. very high end. I'll <laughs> tell you that right now. All right, Mike, thanks for solving the mystery, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. You got it. Thanks, Ray. All right. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Back here now at the Mystery Bird Contest. Trying to identify this mystery bird. It's a tiny bird with a long tail, a bluish-gray back, white undersides, and a prominent white eye ring. It has white outer tail feathers. It often wags the tail. That's uh, thought to uh, make the insects uh, kind of, I guess, get curious and come popping out, and then the bird will grab uh, those insects. In the summer, our bird is found in most of the U.S., except for the upper Midwest and upper Northwest. It's a year-round resident of Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. What might that, uh, what that, m- might that bird uh, be? Uh, 781-837-4900 is the number to call if you would like to... Uh, Take a take a, a kind of a guess at that. Let's say hello to Faith in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Faith happens to be, by the way, a Talking Birds ambassador. Uh, so we're extra happy to say hello to Faith. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Ray. Enjoying your show very much. Well, thank um, you. I'm thinking make, maybe a belted kingfisher. Belted kingfisher. Tim will be the arbiter. Oh, dear. Oh, nope. That had a certain <laughs> negative sound to it, I think. It did. And by the way, my <laughs> yeah. deaf cat, Julie, loves to listen to all the bird sounds on you. And my deaf cat, she loves to listen to, Real. Wait, to wait, the wait, bird she's, sounds. She's a deaf cat? Um, she's blind, I'm sorry. Yeah, she's blind. Oh, blind. Oh, oh okay. Oh, well, yeah. that's, well, I'm glad to hear that this entertaining her. It does, yes. Yep. Thank you very much, Faith. All right, thank you, bye. <laughs> okay, thanks for being the Talking Birds ambassador. Let's go to Jeff, who's uh, in Mason, Texas which is uh, kind of mm, northwest of Austin, I believe. I just say that because yeah. I just kind of looked on the map over here. Uh, good, good morning. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Ray. Great to hear from you from Mason, Texas. Uh, you heard one guest uh, there. Jeff, uh, perhaps you can uh, zoom in a little uh, more, more tightly on this ID for this mystery bird. 
I think it's a blue-gray gnat catcher, even though it sounds a little different than ours. Right, judging by that applause, it uh, it does sound like a it does sound like a blue-gray gnat catcher for sure. What did you think it sounded like instead? Ours sound a little different here in Texas. Okay, little regional difference. Well, you sound a little uh-huh. different and different, Jeff. You don't mind my saying so. Uh-huh. I bet I do. I mean that as a compliment, of course, but anyway. Well, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, uh, Jeff, stay on the line. We'll uh, arrange to send you those uh, prizes from Droll Yankees and Larkwire. Thanks again, Ray. Okay, thank you, Jeff. That's Jeff there in Mason, Texas, uh, correctly identifying the blue-gray gnat catcher. I might have mentioned the, that this was a, one of our featured feathered friends uh, not long ago. It's a bird that kind of mimics other sounds. That might explain for some different sounds in its voice. In fact, it's uh, because of that and because of its appearance, it's sometimes called the little mockingbird. That's our show for today. Next week, May 27th, we'll be live from the L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival at the L.L. Bean flagship store in beautiful Freeport, Maine. Please join us there if you can. Thanks to Mark Duffield and Debbie Bleacher and our engineer Tim McKenney. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors llbean.com by Celestron offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels celestron.com and by Birds and Beans shade-grown bird-friendly coffee birdsandbeans.com